Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Jameis is back, but it didn't help. The Bucks lose again, this time in Green Bay, this time in overtime. What went wrong? That... And we have controversy in college football. All that on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey, everybody. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. We are recording this episode from legendary Lambeau Field in Green Bay following the Bucks' 26-20 overtime loss on Sunday. We are in the home radio booth where I imagine, Rick, Ray Scott, back in the day, probably would have sat somewhere around here, right? Yeah, he would have. In fact, yeah, this is kind of a neat place. And, you know, you think about all the legendary broadcasters that have sat over here and Talked about the end of this game. He's at the 20, the 15, the 5, touchdown, Packers win in overtime, as Pat Summerall would have said. Look, this is a beautiful ballpark, a uh, great place to play, great place to win, and and teams rarely win here. Um, and yet today, the Bucks should have won this game, Tom. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was not on the field. And to be honest with you, Brett Hundley, uh, couldn't do anything. I mean, the man, the man didn't even pass for 100 yards in the game. He had a 40-something passer rating. I don't know how they lost this game, but they made two huge mistakes in this game, actually three, but, but two huge mistakes that we'll talk about. And, you know, one of them – well, there's three, but one of them was a blocked, was a blocked punt that led, led to a touchdown. Um, the other was Jameis Winston doing what Jameis Winston does, which is trying to extend a play beyond any reasonable uh, expectation of making it. Loses a fumble. It pops into the arms of a 296-pound defensive lineman, and he runs it back for a touchdown. And, you know, then late in the game when they, with a tie game, they had a chance to go down and kick a field goal and win it. Evan Smith gets a block in the back, and, you know, instead of having the ball on the 40-yard line with time to go down and win – uh, they have first and 20 at the 10, and they end up going overtime and losing. So I don't, you know, it was it was nice. I'm sure the players talked about how great it was to have Jameis back. He was courageous. He got sacked seven times. It's the worst protection he's had all year. And yet they walk out of here with another loss. They walk out with another loss, and you're exactly right, Rick. Um, you look back at this game, Brett Hundley only threw for 84 yards, 13 of 22. As you mentioned, he had a quarterback rating of 48.3. Jameis, meantime, I thought played pretty well. He was 21 of 32 for 270 yards. He had the awful turnover, which I'm sure you'll talk a little bit more about in just a moment. And the offensive line was beat up. Uh, th- but having said all that, Rick, I mean, I guess on part of me looks at it and says, well, they're still playing hard. They're still trying. They're still making an effort. But this is not a great Packers team without Aaron Rodgers. And this was a game that got away from them. And you know what? More than anything, Rick, and I, you may not feel this way, I almost felt bad for them because after the game I talked to Mike Evans and he was like, you know, this is just one of those years. Dirk Cutter's out of answers. And now we're assured this will not be a winning season. No. I mean, they uh... – She's on what is their record anyway? Four and eight. Four and eight. Um, we need 
Josh McCown to cry a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, at best, if they won out. And, and, look, I think of the five games they had left, this was might probably the most winnable game. I mean, this is a bad Packers offense right now. Now, they ran the ball all over the Bucks, which makes no sense because they're down to their third running back. In fact, the guy who scored the, the winning touchdown, that was his only carry of the game, and Aaron Jones, I think. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just – you know, it was there for the taking. I mean, the whole day was there for the taking. And the way it started, Tom, I mean, first time all season we've seen the Bucks come out and drive the ball with the opening possession for a touchdown, a beautiful throw, a one-handed catch by Cameron Brait. They're up 7 to nothing. Um, you know, and they ran the football today. I mean, heck, you got to talk about Peyton Barber, who ran for 102 yards. It's the first time that the Bucks have had a rusher this year, over 100 yards. Um, the screen game was terrific. He had four catches. They had a bunch of uh, uh, contributions from Charles Sims and Jacquez Rogers. And, and uh, what they didn't do is throw the ball outside to the receivers very much. But nonetheless, they had a nice game plan. And they ran the football. That's something they haven't done all year. 165 yards on the ground. That's a, that's a season high. But they walked out of here with a loss. And, you know, the, the schedule, the calendar is flipping too fast for Dirk Cutter. They're running out of games. Mm-hmm. And now you have to wonder, is 5 and 11, what does that do for you? What does 6 and 10 do for you? I, you know, they, they lost a big opportunity here today, and, and they're just not playing together. Now, you know, and every team has this. It was unlucky for them today a little bit, too, because with the two injuries they've had to the offensive line this week, DeMar Dotson and Ali Marpet going on IR, they expect to play Joe Holly, who played all last year at center. He comes up sick on Saturday, too sick today to play. Now you move Evan Smith, who's going to play guard to center, and they're down to the third center. And Evan, you know, had a big impact on why things went wrong today. He did. He had a penalty. Now, let me ask you about this penalty because, Rick, I didn't, you know, we talk about probably the costliest penalty of the game. The score was tied late. It was just right at the two-minute warning. The Packers had just tied up with a field goal. And so the Bucks get the ball with, I think it was just under two minutes left. Yep. And now they run a screenplay on first on first and 10. They run a screenplay to Peyton Barber, right? I, th- I think it was 20 yards. 20 yards. He picks up 20 yards. He gets it out to pass. It was to Charles f- Sims. Actually. Charles Sims, that's right. Pass the 40-yard line. They're in business at that point. Oh, yeah. Need and a it, field goal to win. Field goal to win. And, and you could figure at that point, they, and they have timeouts. They have plenty of time to get out and score. I heard, and look. I understand when teams lose, they're going to start griping and whining about officiating. But, Rick, to a man in that locker room after the game, they were griping about the officiating on that call. I don't know. I didn't see it. I don't know. I was was on my way to the locker room. You were still in the press box. Was it a penalty? By the letter of the law, it probably was. But in in the way you call games, it probably wasn't. Because Evan sort of got his hands on him as the guy was turning his back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see players, you know, turn their backs. And I don't know if he was trying to draw the block in the back or not, but as soon as he turned, Evans put his hands up in the air like, I didn't do it, you know, like stick him up kind of thing. And when he did that, it was almost too guilty. It was almost (laughs) like, "Uh, yeah, you did, and the flag came out. So I don't think that certainly the Packers thought it was a black block in the back, but to a man when they saw that on replay, the Bucs were just looking at the scoreboard, shaking their heads. And that's sort of what Mike Evans is talking about. It's like you need to not get a flag there. You can't control it. But, man, that was a killer penalty. Overall, Jameis Winston, Rick, what did you think? I, I was surprised at how sharp he looked early in this game. I thought there were some moments where he made some, you know, you mentioned the one really bad decision he made. But overall, I thought this was the best he's looked since 
Wow. I mean, he had that quarter against Buffalo. He looked pretty good. But he threw some balls. The ball, the touchdown pass to Brate, which was a great yeah. catch. Still a nice pass. Um, he threw a ball down the sidelines to Mike Evans that Mike Evans couldn't stay in bounds, but that was a nice throw. Mm-hmm. Overall, it was – and he drove the ball a couple times. Now, he made a couple of bad decisions that on balls that should have been picked off that weren't. But overall, I thought a pretty – Pretty decent. It's you know a classic Jameis performance. Pretty good at times, dumb at times, uh, careless at times, but good at times too. <laughs> it, it was it was it was what Jameis has become. It, it was you know spectacular, like you mentioned. Um, I thought that uh, I thought for you know, missing three weeks, his timing was pretty good, especially on on some tough throws like screen passes and things like that that we have to feather the ball out there, but. You know, he always puts the banana in the exhaust pipe. I mean, this is, you know what I mean? Like, just when things are going really well, here it comes. And I don't, I don't know what it, what it takes. I mean, you know, the guy has lost 11 fumbles now in his career, and he has 39 interceptions. That's 50 turnovers in 41 games. That cannot win in the NFL. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about. Now, you know, you ask Dirk Cutter, and he says, well, you know, we, we've talked about that a lot, and he makes some plays, too, and... You know, um, he's only 23. But, you know, last time I checked, you know, the guy winning for the Rams isn't that old. Or neither is Carson Wentz in his second year. I mean, at what point does the age not no longer become an excuse when you've started 41 games in this league? And I, I know it's part of his, his makeup, his DNA, to never quit. And that what makes him great, though, is, is also at times getting the Bucks beat. And I know he wasn't the only mistake here. But rest assured, the offensive line was porous today. He was... He was as as pursued and as chased down on every snap as he's been in, in any game in his whole career, I thought. He was hit. He had the seven sacks. He was hit 10, 12 times. I thought he'd come up limping one time. Yes. I think he was, he was his leg was bothering throughout most of this game. So I get all that, but you're right, Rick. There are, And the thing is, like, the, the turnover that he had, not only does it give them a touchdown, give the Packers a touchdown, mm-hmm. Bucks were driving. Bucks had the ball deep. That that would have been points probably in that drive. Mm-hmm. Another screw-up, and this one, again, this goes, I don't think this was Jameson's fault. Evan Smith. Evan Smith hiked the ball. Uh, apparently they were on a, du- on a double cadence. He mm-hmm. thought he heard already a sound. Mm-hmm. So he hikes the ball when the ball is deep in the red zone. Third and goal at the three, and you lose nine yards, and you're kicking a field goal. Right. Third and goal at the three. You score a touchdown there. Then you know the Packers' field goal to tie the game is irrelevant. You right, know, right. So what does this mean now for Dirk Cutter, Rick? Does does a game like this help Dirk Cutter? Because I look at it and say, okay, they're still playing hard, they're still trying, they're still competitive, they're still in these games, they're still obviously um, playing like like it matters, but they don't get the win, and and they and the reason they don't get the win is because of dumb things happening. Not good on special teams. I thought their special teams weren't very good today. They had a punt blocked. That usually comes back to coaching. Um, so I, I, I don't know what to make of it, Rick. On one hand, they played hard, but on the other hand, they don't win again. Look, in the NFL and professional sports in general, effort is expected. So we, at some point, the only time you notice it is when there is none. I mean, these guys are paid to play. This is their job. So at some point, we have to get past this whole, well, you fought really hard yeah. business. Um, Dirk Cutter needs to win games, Tom. I mean, there's only – look, they attach records to coaches and to quarterbacks. And they're the only two that speak on the podium after the game. There's a reason for that, because winning matters to them. In fact, sometimes it's the only thing that matters. So, yeah, you know, he needs to win these games. And they have not won enough. Now, if they get to the end of the season, if Jameis, healthy as his shoulder appears to be, and that was the thing I was looking for. I didn't see throws that he 
that he didn't try to make. I didn't see – in fact, he threw a fastball to Cam Braid on the mm-hmm. last touchdown where he really had to pump up to squeeze it in there, and that was a bullet. So from a shoulder standpoint, we'll see how he responds to playing a whole game, you know, on Monday. But I really thought that, you know, he looked like the old Jameis Winston. So on the one hand, if you say, look, when Jameis is healthy, we can beat anybody. But this was Ryan Hunley. This was – I know the game was played in Lambeau, and I know Clay Matthews had two and a half sacks, and they looked like the Packers. They were wearing their uniforms, and the, the fans were shouting, go Pack, go. This was Ryan Hunley. Brad Hunley. Brad Hunley. It's not even Ryan. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. It's Brett Hundley. Okay, it wasn't even Red. <laughs> it's Brett Hundley. Uh, it wasn't Brett Favre, though. Um, and, and so you should win this game. You should win this game because you outplayed them, you know. But, again, defense still has troubles against the run. Um, but, you know, they got sacks. They got two sacks from Will Clark. I mean, things that haven't been happening happened well for the Bucks today. And I guess if the Glazers look at it like, look, when, when Jameis is healthy, we have a chance to win. When he's not, we don't. Um, maybe you give Dirk Cutter a pass because I'll tell you what, this was a good game plan. This was yeah. a really good game plan against this team even with all the pressures, the screen game was the best I've seen it, and they ran the ball better than they have all year. I thought he caught a brilliant game in the fact that their offensive line was so beat up, they were getting a lot of pressure on Jameis Winston, he threw enough screens in there to sort of keep Green Bay off balance. Look, at the end of the day, Rick, they out, they was, it was 395 yards to 276. They converted on third downs over 50%. Mm-hmm. They, they were in the red zone enough where they, you know, they could have easily scored a couple more, you know, another 10 points or so. Um, and look at the time of possession. 11 more minutes. Yeah. 11 minutes. That's damn near. You had the ball damn near a quarter more yeah. than the Green Bay Packers. Think about that. Every stat you just named, including um, you know, sort of breaking even in the turnover department. Yeah, third down, saw that. Yeah. But you, that, that usually spells a win. And yet somehow, somehow, they managed to lose this game. Somehow, because of a handful of plays, as you mentioned, Rick, it was and two plays, two big plays, really. The block punt, which really hurt, which, by the way, came right after an, a nice interception by, uh, by Evans, Justin right? Evans, yeah. Justin Evans, who set them up. They were at midfield. They should have done something with that drive. They didn't. They end up getting a punt blocked, and then five plays later, Green Bay goes down and scores. And then, of course, the other big play was the Jameis turnover, which was not only – it, that that could have been a fourteen point swing well, that's or something. Touchdown, for yeah. God's sake. Yeah, yeah. So that's the difference right there. Um, so Peyton, I mean, on the bright side, Rick Peyton Barber. Are we done with Doug Martin? Doug Martin's done, right? We're done with Doug Martin. I think Doug is probably going to have to move on. One, his salary's too high, and then two, um, you know, when a young guy gets in there and does what. Now, I'm not saying Barber is their future per se. I think what it showed today is that a lot of guys can run the football. Now, Doug Martin was special when he's healthy, and he was special as a younger player. He hasn't been special in a while. And I don't know how much of that is on the offensive line. I do know this, and I know they played the Packers, so maybe it's more about the Packers than the Bucks. But you had guys that hadn't played much this year, especially, you know, Evan Smith hadn't played center in a while. Mm-hmm. 
and Kevin Pample had to play, uh, was playing with one arm. He has a bad elbow. And they had Caleb Beninock starting at, at right tackle, and you still ran the ball for 165 yards. So what is that? does that say something about the running back when you have a lesser offensive line that creases a defense for the most yards on the ground all season? I think it does. I think it also says something maybe about Doug Martin that, you know what, maybe he's not seeing things. Maybe he's not – Got the explosion he once had. You know, all those things are, are stuff they'll have to evaluate. But I think for sure they'll probably move on to another running back before uh, before next year. Tell you what, NFL fans, remember this game, Rick, because the Packers, they're 6-6. They're, six six. they're going to make it. They're going to play next week. They're playing the Cleveland Browns, who lose again, by the way. Cleveland now one win in their last 28 games, which is the worst ever. It beats their Bucks record of when they remember when they lost yeah. 26 in a row, and then they won two. two. Of 28, yeah. Right. Uh, so, two of right. And then, uh, and then, so they get Cleveland next week, and then Aaron Rodgers comes back. Tell me you want to play this team in January. There's no way. This is a scary team all of a sudden. So we'll see what happens there. We'll also check with the Bucks throughout the week. Uh, Jameis is back. He's back for now, and they looked a little bit better offensively, but uh, but another loss. Rick, let's hit college football. We'll hit this more as the week goes on, but the big news coming out on Sunday, the final four teams are there. No surprise at the first three, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia. All those teams won their championship games over the weekend. But the big surprise coming in at number four, Alabama. So it's going to be Oklahoma, Georgia, and then Clemson and Alabama. Alabama gets to pick over Ohio State. Rick, you and I watched the game Saturday night, Ohio State and Wisconsin. How much do you think sort of Ohio State's unimpressive performance there played into it? How much did, did you think the fact that Alabama's sort of a traditional team? Did the committee get it right? Because I love what the committee did here. I think they did. Um, you know, I didn't think this was a great Ohio State team. They have the two losses. And, and this whole notion, you know, people are whining about, well, I guess if you win a, a, you know, a title, a conference championship, that doesn't mean much. Well, it didn't mean much to Penn State last year either. So, yeah, get over it. You're, it doesn't mean you're the best team, one of the top four teams in the country. And Ohio State, if you watch JT Barrett try to play quarterback last night, I mean, they beat Wisconsin on three big plays, but Barrett missed receivers all over the place. He was terrible, I thought. And, again, you know, Wisconsin is very limited. Unfortunately, their quarterback, Hornibrook, played awful. That's what they needed him to do was play well, and he didn't. So it's not an impressive win over Wisconsin. You win by a touchdown in a game that, you know, neither team, neither quarterback played very well. And Alabama, look, I mean, they, they, they lost one game, and they, they will probably be favored over Clemson, I they would are. imagine, and, you know, which is the number one ranked team in the country right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no trouble with Alabama. I know, you know, people think, oh, they're go with the SEC. It's the first time that they've, since they started this, that two teams from the same conference have been in it. And it's unfortunate that there's no one from you know the Pac-12, and it's unfortunate that there's no one from the Big Ten. But that's the kind of year it was. If if Ohio State had blown out Wisconsin, like sort of that game we saw a couple of years ago, maybe not fifty-nine nothing, but if it had been a convincing forty-five to ten yeah. win, I think that would have helped Ohio State. But one thing hurt Ohio State it was losing Iowa by by thirty-one points or whatever it was that killed them. And I'll tell you the other thing that that surprised me though, Rick, is that with you have Oklahoma, sort of a southern team, but south, more southwestern. But a team from the south in Clemson and another team from the south in Georgia. I thought they might go with Ohio State just to say, let's include another part of the country. I'm glad they didn't because I don't think Ohio State deserves to be there. And this is what it comes down to, Rick, as you just mentioned. If Alabama and Ohio State were to play on this field right in front of us here at Lambeau Field, 
Alabama would be favored to win that game. Now, some people some people are arguing with me on Twitter and say, well, why are we even playing these games? Won't just a committee get together and pick a winner for a national championship? But I, th- this is the best way we have it. I don't like eight teams. Uh, I like six. But you like six, yeah, yeah. But I, ultimately, I think they got it right. I'm okay with Alabama being here. Um, it's official. Scott Frost to Nebraska. Jimbo Fisher to Florida State. And now, Texas or to Texas A&M, yeah, he leaves Florida State. So what does Florida State do now, Rick? Willie Taggart, is that their guy? I mean, it seems like everybody's saying it's Willie Taggart. Um, I would give a harder look at Kevin Sumlin, um, but he looks like he, UCF is focused on him. Uh, you know, look, Willie has ties to Florida. He's recruited there, even from Oregon. Um, he's a younger coach that can grow into the job. I, I see why he would check a lot of the boxes. I thought... You know, there was times when it looked like USF was going to be too big until the quarterback started playing great and he changed his offense. And then he goes to Oregon and you think, wow, that's a step up. Now Florida State, that's a big leap. If you think about where Willie was three years ago, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he was trying to hang on to his job at USF. So um, I don't know. I don't know who the other candidates would be. I assume that's the way they're going. If, if in fact Willie is ready to move after one year at Oregon, I don't, I don't know how he feels about it, but I would think that this is certainly a better job than than Oregon. Scott Frost is going to go to Nebraska. Now there are some people say he he sort of hinted he wants to coach the bowl game. You can't let him do that, can you? You don't let him get him coach for UCF in the bowl game. Do you? I don't know how that hurts or helps your um, your recruiting necessarily. I know they probably want him to get him to work as soon as possible at Nebraska, um, but he feels a real he was torn by this. I mean, you could see it. He was, he was agonized even after they won the championship and he was asked uh, about his situation. He said, I just want to celebrate with my guys. I think those, those players mean a lot to him. They've had an undefeated season. I can see why he would want to close it out and, and uh, be their coach in the bowl game. I don't know how rare that is, but it's not like there's animus. Like it's not like, you know, Florida state and Jimbo Fisher saying, let me coach against Louisiana Monroe or something, you know? (laughs) What do you think about that, though? Because Scott Frost, they're both leaving. They're both leaving for what they think are better jobs. They're both leaving for more money. I'm assuming I'm assuming Scott Frost is going to get more in Nebraska oh, than yeah. he got at UCF. And yet, yet, Scott Frost is being billed as this hero in Orlando, whereas Chippo Fisher may never be welcome back in Tallahassee again. Aren't, or isn't this the same guy? Aren't this, this, isn't this the same decision? No, because Florida State doesn't take a back seat to Texas A&M. I mean, that's the bottom line is they see themselves as a destination program. They don't see A&M as a better location. They merely think that, you know, that he grew tired of them. They probably grew tired of him. Um, he, you know, talked about better facilities, and he's getting certainly a lot more money. But if you're Florida State, um, you're like, don't let the door hit you um, because – UCF knows where UCF is. UCF is not a power five conference. They can't begrudge somebody from going from there to a power five conference. And I just and I also just think the way Scott Frost handled it was with much more class and much more dignity than, you know, not telling your players, saying nothing, uh, letting recruits, you know, go to other schools and then pulling out your perfectly nice Christmas tree and throwing it in the front yard. <laughs> He said, Scott Frost said, I wish this could wait until the season was over. Is there, I guess there's nothing they can do about that, right? No, because as long as um, these bowl games, you know, aren't played for like another 30 days, um, you know, teams that, that want to make coaching changes aren't going to wait. I mean, you know, you have to have a staff. I mean, this is the thing. It's not always just about the head coach. You got to remember with all these firings, there's a, there's a finite number of really good assistant coaches, and assistant coaches in college football do a lot of the heavy lifting, man, with recruiting, 
with teaching. Remember, it's a teaching level. So, you know, in order to compete for the best staff, which really gives you the best chance to win, you have to get your guy in there and start hiring people. Well, and you're, you make a great point there, Rick, because it sounds like Scott Frost has taken most of his staff, the early word, he's going to take most of his staff from uh, UCF to Nebraska. We're going to talk a lot more college football throughout the week as we'll, if we'll fill you in on the other bowl games, including who's coming to the Orange Bowl. Steve Verstick is a happy man. So is Rick Strutt. I get to see our boy Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Michigan's coming to town. Uh, to, or the Outback Bowl to take on uh, South Carolina. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun for all the Michigan fans. Hey, we're going to talk a whole lot more college football uh, throughout the week, including getting you ready for uh, the next week. And that's the only thing. we got to wait a month now for this uh, <laughs> playoff games. But uh, a lot more college football coming up this week. And maybe FSU will hire a coach here in the next uh, few hours, next day or so. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter. The podcast Twitter handle is Rick Tom at Rick Tom Podcast. Rick is at NFL Strad. I'm at Tom W. Jones. Once again, thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick, signing off from Lambeau Field here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Tom Jones, Rick Strad. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.